go. People move on. Sadly, some people die. But uh, uh, it, it, it's essential that we keep looking to expand our contacts. And we've noticed that recently the whole, the whole panorama of our contacts, if you like, has changed. And we're picking up with new people. I mean, things, things like this, uh, it, it's great for you to widen your scope, the fellowship amongst the Lord's people. And uh, you remember the last time, you know, we move around so much, uh, I just have to think twice sometimes about uh, where were we last time. And of course, the last time we were in Southport. And I started on uh, a series of going deeper, going deeper with God. And let me do a recap for a moment. Let, let, let's look at Psalm 42, verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the noise, the roar, or the sound of your waterfalls. All your waves and your billows have passed over me. Um, another translation says, My deep need calls out to the deep kindness of your love. How many of you know that God's love is kindness? That God's nature is kindness? Your waterfall of weeping sent waves of sorrow over my soul, carrying me away, cascading over me like a thundering cataract. That's like the love of God continuously being poured into our lives. Of course, what's, what's needed on our part is to be totally open to that flood of the Lord coming into our lives so that it can do its work in us and also do its work in people we come into contact with. You know, some people, uh, you, you, you talk about uh, the Lord working in their lives, uh, and they raise a question, but I haven't spoken to anybody about the Lord. That doesn't matter. The fact that you're walking amongst people, you are radiating that presence that is living in you, that is real in you, you are radiating that presence to the people around you. And it doesn't matter whether they are saved or not saved. It can be somebody in the supermarket, somebody on the bus, your next door neighbor, the fact that you're near to them, you are radiating the presence of God. And that's what God's people are all about. God pours into us, and we pour out into the people round and about us. And of course, because God's heart is a heart of compassion, do you agree? Yes? Because God's heart is a heart of compassion, we too have compassion rising up and going from us to other people. And... Uh, so let, let's, let's move on. We, we are looking at the whole concept of getting deeper. We have a command in the Word of God. Pray continually. How many of you have prayed this morning? Yeah? Okay. I don't mean a formal prayer. How many of you have prayed in the activity of the morning? You know, for a meeting like this, 
uh, you, you get up, you sort yourself out, you have your breakfast, you're, you're behind the wheel of the car or of the bus stop, and you're ready to go. When did I have time to pray? You can be communicating with God all the time. And uh, it says, pray continually. You live a life of prayer. You live a life of living for Father. You live a life of uh, uh, reaching out and touching other people. Uh, one of the things, uh, again, one of the things that Pam and I became, have become conscious of in the last few weeks is the need to get our kids back on board. We've both got children, some of whom uh, were saved years ago, no longer um, walking with the Lord. Others, their children, have not come to that point. And so we need to do something about this. And the first place we're going to do it is in prayer before the throne of grace. Because we are calling our kids back in. And let me tell you something. God wants all of his kids back. All of them. There are people walking in rebellion. There are people who are walking totally rejecting the whole idea of God. There are people who have never known him and don't particularly want to know him. God wants those kids back. He created, we've heard this morning, we are, were created in the likeness and the image of God. And if, if, if we understand this correctly, the fact that we're here, we're still in the likeness and image of God. God lives in us. God lives through us, and his desire is that he wants all of his kids back. Sorry to have to tell you, but the responsibility is yours and mine. Okay, come on. God doesn't come down to earth and preach his own gospel. He has created people. He has called people. He has equipped people. But of course, you see, for us to do this effectively, there is a need for us to keep in contact with the Father. You know, never be afraid. If you're into a, in a situation, you're not sure which way to go, never be afraid. Lord, how do I do this? Give me some insight. Give me some, I need your wisdom and I need it now. And every time, without fail, God will come through for you. He will be there. He will open up vistas that you never thought existed. Uh, we've all been in those situations where we're in the presence of God, either we're, we're sat under teaching or preaching, or even on our own, in our own room, we're in the presence of God, and suddenly it, it's like being in the cinema. You're waiting for the, the program to start, and that last curtain goes back. And there is the picture on the screen. It's as though God has got hold of the, uh, he has got hold of the, um, if you like, the spiritual horizon that is within us. And he's torn it and opened up a new vista. And if you are, 
if, if you are in that place with Father where you're continuously in touch with Him, you will see stuff continually that you never imagined was possible. Amen? Pray continually. Uh, we are told to be joyful always. God didn't create miserable people. Okay? Uh, you don't always have to have a, a smile on your face, but the look in your eyes will be an expression of joy. It will be an expression of love. It will be a response to what God is doing and what he is asking you to do. Now, the one thing you get in a meeting like this, you're fed on the Word of God. Amen? And there is no place better than the banqueting table of His presence where we can feed on His Word, where we can pick up um, snippets of His Word from somebody sat next to us. You know, we've all been in that place where suddenly something comes in, rises up in our spirit, where did that come from? Well, we all know where it came from. God has anointed, he has touched us. And of course, be joyful always, yes, praying without ceasing. And there are two ways in which we pray. First of all, you pray with your native tongue, whatever that is. Uh, and if, you, if you're multilingual, fine, you can, you, you can use all those languages but also that is the language of the Spirit that God has given you. It is unique to you. And, of course, some people get baptized in the Spirit, and that's it. Uh, they, they sort of stay there. They stay on that level. You know what it is when you get baptized in the Spirit? It's exactly the same as a baby. Uh, that baby starts small, little utterances, bits of wood, and then they start to put words together. It's the same praying in the Spirit. I promise you this. If you exercise the tongue that God has given you often enough, you will see that expanding, and you will come across a situation where uh, you didn't realize the sort of things that you were talking about. Uh, a man gives a testimony how that he... Uh, he suddenly found that in his life he was receiving things, material things, that he, he just cannot understand where they came from. So he went to Father and he said, Father, I've not asked for anything, any of this. He said, you have continuously. When you are praying in the Spirit, that's what you ask for and therefore that's what I have given you. Isn't God a good God? Amen. Whew. When you start, when you get into a life of prayer, two things are essential before you do anything else. Two things are essential. Number one, acknowledging God for who he is. Okay? And if, if you have difficulty with that one, then just go to the Psalms. You know, the Psalms are full of, uh, of ways in which we can express um, audibly uh, what, who God is. Look at his word. It's all there. Secondly, we need to remember to give thanks to God for what he has done. 
And don't forget the day of your salvation. Never cease to give thanks to God. God, I thank you that you made me your child. I can remember the night I was saved. Um, it was in September 1950. I was 12. Go on, do your maths. You'll find out how old I am. Um, I was 12 years of age, and there were eight of us who got saved the same night. I was the youngest, and it's, it's, I can remember that night as though it was yesterday. I can't remember what, the, what our pastor preached on, but such was the impact, we went forward. And we accepted the Lord, made him Lord of our lives. Now, I must confess, that, that was in a Baptist church. I must confess that nothing much happened for three years until I went to a Pentecostal church. And then the whole thing exploded. You know, when the Spirit of God becomes a reality in your life, it, the, the, it, is, a, it is as though the Holy Spirit comes, it's, it's, a, it's like a baby running towards you. You pick that baby up in your arms, and it's as though the presence of God himself, he gets hold of us, and he draws us unto himself. He gets hold of us, and he, the first thing he says, I love you. Well, you know that he loves you, but God is not afraid to say it again and again and again because that's part of building up your relationship. You know, two people meet each other and they get married. All through their 30, 40, 50, 60 years of marriage, doesn't matter how long it is, it is essential that they build on that love that they have for each other and that they express that love audibly. You know, one of the first things that happens when Pam and I become totally conscious that uh, we are together uh, first thing in the morning, uh, we tell each other we love each other. And that's the way you build your relationship. Because every time God gets hold of you, he says, my child, I love you. I don't care how old you are here this morning, you're a child of God, Okay. And you're sat before the throne of God. And nothing delights Father more than to see his people enjoying his presence. Amen? Uh, so you're acknowledging God for who he is and giving thanks for what he has done. Um, giving thanks to God for what he's doing today and living today in expectancy. That spirit of expectancy. Expecting God to do something. Jesus gave the disciples a commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem. Do not undertake ministry. That was the implication. Do not leave the uh, leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That created a spirit of expectancy amongst those people. There were 120 of them. When you read God's Word, you find in one point that there were 500 people who followed Jesus. Where were the rest of them? We're not told. It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is there was a company of God's people who acted in obedience to what God had told them. They were in this, the right place. They were at the right time. 
and the Holy Spirit fell. And from then on, that was it. Uh, if you read in Acts chapter 3, the layman at the beginning, uh, lying at the gate of the temple, Pete, he was healed by Peter and John. Very often, depending on which translation you have, you'll have a heading in your Bible that says the first miracle. No, it wasn't. A couple of days before, when the Holy Spirit fell and Peter preached his sermon, his sermon uh, 3,000 people came to know the Lord. The greatest miracle of all in your life, in anybody's life, is your salvation. Amen? Because God has taken you from where you are. Uh, Old Testament language, he rescues them from the pit. Now, whichever pit you were in, it doesn't matter. God has taken you out, drawn you to himself, and you walk. We're back to that whole song again, aren't we? And this is where people like me give their age away. He walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. God confirms his ownership. Okay? Paul says, you are not your own. You're bought with a price. Remember that. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. You belong to him. Even before you were saved, you were bought with a price. Because that's what happened on Calvary. Your name was there. My name was there. The whole price was paid for the whole of civilization. Sadly, and nobody will shed more tears over this than Father himself. There are many who will not make it in that sense. Amen? You know, uh, with, with the power of the word of God that's declared here in these meetings, this place should be packed and they should be queuing outside. And that's what I'm expecting. That's what we're looking for. No matter which church we're in, it will be full. People hungry people hungry for the word, people hungry for God's presence, people longing to get to that place where they're sat at his feet. Whew. Today, live expectantly every day. Tomorrow, what are you expecting from God tomorrow? Come on, be real here this morning. What are you expecting from God tomorrow? Are you expecting that your pastor will be so anointed that he will open the word to you and you will get something from Father that's going to take you the following day through the next week and the week after? Because that's how the ministry of the word should be. Another element in our life of going deeper is a three-letter word. You don't see much of it today. It's around. And sadly, God's people so often are afraid to express it. It's joy. Joy. Come on. Joy. Uh, let's go to the book of Nehemiah. I'll be with you in a moment. Book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. 
It doesn't help when your Bible is fairly new and the pages are still stuck together, you know? Um, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. Then Nehemiah the magistrate, Ezra the priest, you see what had happened? The children of Israel, they've come back from exile and uh, they had been read the law, God's word. It had been read to them. There were tears. There was sorrow. Because, of course, you see, the word of God not only encourages you, but the word of God will also highlight things that are in your life and shouldn't be there, and we need to do something about it. Do you agree? Then Nehemiah the magistrate, Ezra the priest, and scribe, the Levites who were teaching the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Stop mourning, stop weeping, Stop mourning and moaning. Stop weeping. This was because all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. The word of the Lord cut right into them. The word of the Lord brought liberty. The word of the Lord brought power and strength. Then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet drink. Send portions to those from whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, because the joy of the Lord is your... I didn't hear it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Which means we should be walking in joy. We should be living in joy. We should be running in joy, so on and so forth. Uh, <clears throat> live expectantly each day with the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In the Amplified class, Classic Edition, it says these words, the joy of the Lord is your strength and your stronghold. Imagine a castle. That's a stronghold. You know, the castle was in the town. The town was built around the castle. And if, when the town was invaded, the people would go into the castle. There was a portion of the castle that is called the keep. It was the safest place of all. Nothing could break through. The joy of the Lord is your strength and stronghold. He is your castle. He is your fortress. He is the place where you go and you stay. You're protected. In Deuteronomy 16 and verse 15, it says, your joy will be complete. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Amen? You see, we have this word shalom. You've all heard it. A Jewish word, shalom. What does it mean? Come on. Well, that's what most people say. Peace. And that is true. But there is more to it than that, because the core of that word means this. Nothing missing, nothing broken. 
Therefore, if you are walking in the strength of the Lord, if you are walking in the presence of the Lord, if you are living with Him day by day, you have a life that's being lived where there is nothing missing and nothing broken. Everything is complete. I said everything is complete. Amen. Amen. That's better. Let's have some arm. Look, I'm not preaching this stuff on my own. Come on. Who had intimacy with God? Jesus. Yeah, number one, Jesus. He is our example of intimacy with God. Then you have David. Oh, Listen carefully here. David was a convicted murderer. He was an adulterer. But the one thing he never lost in his life was his title. A man after God's own heart. Okay? David missed it. Hands up, everybody who has never missed it. Ha, ha, ha. Yes, it happens, doesn't it? We do miss it occasionally. Sometimes we feel as though we've missed it a little bit more often than just go to Father and talk to him about it. Then you have Paul. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He called himself the chief of sinners, and yet here was the man who had intimacy with God. Then you have Abraham, Woo, the friend of God. Let's go back a bit further. You have Adam. And of course, the purpose of salvation is to put us back to, into a relationship that Adam had with God because Adam walked and talked with God. He was his friend until he fell. And we heard something about that earlier this morning. And we can go on and name other people. Well, we can come out of Scripture and name some of the, the great people. Look at George Muller. You know, he was the man. Breakfast was laid. The table was laid. But there was nothing on it. So what did he do about it? He talked to Father. He went straight to the throne of grace. And breakfast arrived. Don't tell me that God doesn't answer prayer. The restoration of God, of the relationship between God and man. Who paid the price? It was a terrible price. Because God gave everything that he had. Everything that he had. He sent his son. The second person of the Trinity, as he's called. He sent his son. And his son, come on, second person of the Trinity. The likeness, the image of God his father. He submitted himself to the authority of the Holy Spirit. 
until the Holy Spirit had come upon him, it's recorded that he did no miracles at all. But once the Holy Spirit and he were in partnership, the miracles came, excuse the saying, thick and fast. And that can happen with you as well. You're a miracle carrier. You're a miracle worker. Listen, there is a miracle inside of you waiting to happen at this moment in time. Listen to what Father's saying. There are those moments when you give thanks to God for coffee. Amen. I am not a good tea maker. Uh, you know, I, I make the tea after breakfast and I'll pour mine. I've learned that lesson. And then I'll wait a bit and pour Pam. She said, you poured it too early. <laughs> uh, we have a friend who comes to stay with us occasionally and she likes builder's tea. Okay? Uh, I looked at a cup and it's got tarmac written on the bottom. <laughs> now, coffee, that is a different matter. I'll drink coffee. I'll make a coffee for Bernie sometimes. She said, this is too strong. What have you done with it? I've made coffee as it should be drunk. Whew. I can imagine Jesus if Jesus was here today with the twelve, they would be frequent customers at coffee shops, whatever. Because wherever there were people, Jesus went. When you're going about your daily business, if you say to Father, use me today, Lord, that's dangerous language because God will take you up on your bread. Use me today, Lord, any way you like, just, just teach me. And you walk into a shop and you'll soon find somebody who needs you to talk to them because they're looking for hope. Look, we live in a world where hope, it, it, it's turned into hopelessness because in people's lives they see no good in future. Our future is eternal. Amen. Because our Lord is eternal. He came to earth as a man. He lived for 33 years or thereabouts. He was crucified. He rose again. And after 40 days, he ascended to heaven with the promise, the providing. Those who saw him rise, ascend, the promise was given, the providing they did as they were told, get to the right place and wait in Jerusalem, they too would have the same spirit that was on him. Do you know there are people who believe that there are a number of Holy Spirits who appeared in the, whole, in the Old Testament? Let, let's understand something here. There is one Holy Spirit. Amen? And he's dwelling in all of us. He is the driving force when we let him. Come on, he is the driving force. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way Father designed it. 
Uh, he pushes us forward into action. He pulls us back into fellowship with him. And sometimes we can run away with the whole idea of action and uh, we just keep on going and we just keep on going until suddenly we stop. We're flagged out. That's it. We can't do anything else. If only you'd have listened to me, says the Lord. And then God has to restore us. But God is a great restorer. Amen. I can give testimony to that. God is a great restorer. And uh, are you getting something out of this? Yeah. Amen. Because uh, the more I start looking at this, the bigger it becomes, the longer it becomes. So I'm going to keep it going for another couple of sessions and then see what God does with it because he's in charge, not me. Uh, spend time with the body. You know who the body is, don't you? Yeah, we are. Spend time with the body. As I mentioned earlier, our contacts are getting wider. They're spreading out. Spend time with that body. Sit. Talk to people. Open your mouth. That's what God gave it to you for. And start speaking. Speak the word. Speak the word over yourself. Speak the word over um, uh, uh, speak the word over the people you come into contact with. Maybe God will highlight a, a scripture to you that's for the person sat next to you. Give it. Because you will never know, you may never know this side of eternity what those words did to those people. But when you do get there, you will find out that the fruit of your words was great. It was a mighty harvest because you, trans you helped transform a life. Amen? Praise God. So spend time with the body. We are told, uh, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Let us exhort one another, especially as we see the day approaching. What day are we looking for? What are you looking for? I'm looking for the return of the Lord. But at the same time, I've got the same hunger as this guy has got. I want to see people swept up in revival. But I want to see people, I want to be part of a group of people who are before God crying out for that revival. Uh, it's not a case of looking for revival. It's a case of you yourself being the revival. Come on. You've got the God of the revival living in you. And if you will stir yourself up before Father, he will stir you up before people. Don't forget to develop your contacts. Keep looking for God's people. No, I don't mean that you should go to a different church every Sunday. That's not the thing. You have your own fellowship. You have your own family. Pam and I are about to change. We're not sure which church we're going to go to yet. We're moving house. We're moving into North Wales. Not sure which church we're going to go to yet. But we know that God has got some great things. This guy has got a vision for North Wales. We're there. Uh, Pam's son is already there with his family for the first time in... How old's Daniel? 
17. For the first time in 17 years, we are walking distance from their house. Their kids can come and see, ring the doorbell and uh, torment granddad. And, uh, oh, I, do you know, the best time of my life has been the time I've had grandkids. Wonderful, amazing. And you watch them develop and you implant the word of God into their lives. Yeah, their parents are saved. Thank you, Father. Uh, most of the kids are saved. Perhaps the youngest one, I'm not sure yet. Pam will correct me. But uh, uh, yeah, they're with the Lord. You can talk to about the Lord. They pray. The first, last thing they do when, before they leave the house for school is they pray together as a family. And if we're there, we're, we're drawn. We have no option. If we've stayed there overnight, we're, we're, we're called in. Come on, it's prayer time. You should be up now. And uh, yeah, and, uh, and they pray together. We pray together. Oh, for a Holy Ghost prayer meeting. Do you remember them? Oh, yes. Oh, for a go Holy Ghost infilling, sweeping through. God's people, making this place red hot, a beacon in a dry land, ready to feed the people. And all that depends on us going deeper and deeper and deeper until, you know, People come up to us and say, there's something about you. Uh, I can remember when I retired from my secular job, um, my deputy took over. And we used to meet about once a month after for a couple of years just to have a meal together and catch up on old times. And Wendy, uh, she said to me one day over a meal, she said, that day you left, you retired. She said, something or someone walked out with you. That's an opening. Okay. What she's done about it, I don't know. Uh, all, we, all we do is pray for her. And uh, let her. Wow, yes. We left, we left a mark on people in that uh, it was a charity, not very big. Uh, we did an essential work of advocacy amongst various people. And uh, yet Pam and I, Pam was involved in some of it as well. And there are people who have never forgotten. But you see, that's God's work. That's not us. That's God's work. There are people who will never forget you because of what you're doing and because of who you are. Amen? Are you blessed? Yes. Amen. I, I think we're going to have another short comfort break and then get into the last session. Yeah, just expect